0: And discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. Today is January 12th, 2022. And our first story, the U.S. Army is conducting what's called a Civil War Rehearsal. Many people are scared the Biden administration is gearing up for some kind of urban U.S. conflict, but this operation's actually been going on since the 70s, so it's a lot of hype. Though, there is still a reason to fear civil war may be coming as tensions continue to escalate. In our next story, bare shelves Biden is trending. It's like the Soviet Union, some have said, because store shelves are empty amid supply chain disruptions and inflation hits 7%. And in our last story, obesity in America is a huge problem. One woman cried and said she was triggered because she was too fat for an MRI. Now, if you like this show, give us a good review. Leave us five stars and share the show with your friends. Now, let's get into that first story. Story is going viral on Twitter. A Civil War rehearsal. The Biden administration training military to go after American citizens. That's what many people have said. The Daily Mail says a civil war rehearsal. U.S. Army will conduct a two week guerrilla war training exercise in North Carolina to teach special forces how to overthrow an illegitimate government just weeks after the DOJ announced new domestic terrorism unit. My stars and garters, it sounds like it's happening. Cue the Ron Paul meme. No, this story is hype. Absolutely overhyped, and it's fair to say there may be something here, but I think for the most part, they're taking something that is actually commonplace training for Special Forces Green Berets and making it seem like it's tied to the notion of civil war. Now, I highlight this because I've seen a lot of people talking about it. We mentioned it briefly on Timcast IRL, and a lot of people seem to think that this special forces training called Robin Sage is indicative of a coming civil conflict. In this training exercise, special forces seek to overthrow an illegitimate government. So naturally, considering what's been going on in this country, people think it's unique. It's not. Apparently this goes on, I don't know, frequently. I don't know how far back it goes, but it goes back pretty far, this training. In fact, I have an article from, uh, I think it's from a couple of years ago, talking about how they, in, they, they are conducting the exact same training. I don't think it's fair to highlight this and make it seem like this is evidence of some kind of uh, coming civil war. However, It is interesting to see what they're training special forces on and what people are saying about it. So let's effectively debunk this portion of the story while then going into what I often do go into, the prospects of civil war. Right now, it seems like many on the right are saying, I I should say the mainstream establishment right, that there's no chance of a civil war and Democrats are just drumming up this fear, perhaps because they need it in order to win elections in 2022 and 2024, but I think it's fair to say that we're dealing with what may be a self-fulfilling prophecy or the reality that we are facing some kind of civil war. Again, I don't think this civil war rehearsal is part of that story, interesting as it may be. But we're looking at a few big stories right now. First, Google search civil war and you'll see. I'll show you all this story after story after story all across the mainstream press questioning, are we headed towards another civil war? We have a story of the DOJ creating a new domestic terror unit, which they mentioned in the Daily Mail article, which has people concerned they're going to be going after more American insurgents, as they would call them. We've seen the expansion of the Capitol Police Force across the country to track down people who are viewed as extremists or in some way pertaining to January 6th. We have the January 6th Select Committee Filing a subpoena against someone who was a Republican strategist, who had nothing to do with January 6th, who did not work for Trump anywhere uh, 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 close to the time of January 6th, was not involved in any of the rallies, or was even in D.C., but for some reason, they're going after this individual. Why? Well, this person may actually be helping some of the January 6th committee politician rivals in their elections. And then we have Rachel Maddow who's come out and said they've discovered forged documents. Republicans create forged electoral documents to try and overthrow the election. Hashtag GOP coup. And now many news organizations, namely left-wing ones, are claiming Republicans tried forging state electoral documents to cheat and steal the election. But this isn't news. We knew about this. I covered the story that Republicans quote unquote, cast their electoral votes, even though they weren't the slated electors, sent them in because that's what happens. Democrats have objected to elections in the past several elections. And we even saw, I think it was in 1960, I think I have that pulled it up, Kennedy and Nixon, Hawaii sent illegitimate electors, but they actually got chosen. The, the, the non-certified electors became the uh, actual certified electors. So what I see here is, maybe it's a Democrat desire I don't know, but I do think we are headed towards national divorce, civil unrest, whatever you want to call it, and I feel like things are getting worse. We had that story from the Boston Globe that I mentioned over and over again, where John Podesta was part of these war games, and he actually said in their, in their fictional scenario that the Democrats would encourage the West Coast to secede from the Union if Donald Trump won. Do you think they are going to stop? Do you think they'll give up now that 2022 is around the corner, we're expecting a red wave? I don't think so, but I don't know. This could all just be craziness, exaggeration, like this story here. A manipulation of the media and false framing. Let me break down for you what this story is and why people think this has something to do with a coming Civil War, because I gotta be honest. Just because Operation Robin Sage, Civil War Rehearsal, has existed before doesn't mean it's not relevant. But I do think it's important to point out it's probably not relevant to what's going on. Well, it may be relevant in a certain sense, but let's read the story. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com and become a member to help support my work and the work of all of our journalists. Your membership means... Our reporters keep working. It supports the infrastructure and the bandwidth to host all of our members-only videos. As a member, you'll get access to all of our members-only content. And we are launching new shows all the time. We've got Cast Castle Vlog, Tales from the Inverted World, Pop Culture Crisis. We're working on a new conspiracy conversational show. A lot more to come, and it's all thanks to you as members at TimCast.com. But don't forget to like this video, subscribe to this channel, share the video in any way you can. Take the URL, post it all over the place. I've never spent any marketing on any of the videos that I've done for for TimCast or TimCast IRL. And it's all thanks to you guys sharing videos that we've grown to this point. If everybody were to share this video right now, we would be bigger than CNN overnight. Here's the story from the Daily Mail. Special Forces candidates will participate in the two-week Robin Sage training exercises in which they will practice overthrowing illegitimate governments. Young army soldiers will be battling seasoned freedom fighters across two dozen North Carolina counties in a two-week guerrilla warfare exercise where they attempt to overthrow an illegitimate government. News of the training exercise comes just days after the anniversary of the Capitol riot and as the Justice Department announces the creation of a new domestic terrorism unit to tackle what officials said is an elevated threat from domestic violent extremists. Some question the close timing of the events while others went further with fears that the Biden administration is preparing for American uprising. Biden's military war games, fighting and killing American freedom fighters in guerrilla warfare, one Twitter user wrote, Twitter user posted in reaction to news of the guerrilla warfare training on U.S. soil. Another Twitter user even questioned if the government was trying to get troops accustomed to the idea of killing fellow Americans. However, The guerrilla training exercise known as Robin Sage has actually been running every few months since the 1970s. In fact, we can jump back in time a year from Business Insider, how the Army's Robin Sage puts special forces hopefuls to a final make or break test in the forests of North Carolina. This story starts picking up traction. And there's... There's a, there's, there's a challenge of how we title videos like this and how I present the information. I'm sure there'll be a lot of people who say, you know, you should just outright say it's debunked. But the goal with the video is to is to present it, present something that people are like, I want to learn more about this. What, what is this? They see the story, and then we can break down the bigger context here. The Daily Mail did the same thing. I actually think that's that's the important, it's important to do. It's the best way to do it. As people are posting on Twitter believing that this is some kind of new and unique exercise meant to harm Americans, it's important to say, here's the story, here's the greater context, let's break this all down. I don't think, however, or I should say, even with that being the case, it's important to understand the greater context of what's happening in this country and why people are concerned about it. Look at this. One person said, looks like the front lines have changed, practicing for a war that could happen in the next 36 months. Chaos of 2022 will lead to 2024? Or is it just another July? One said, obviously, practice for civil war or domestic warfare. I want to make sure as many people as possible see this video and realize Robin Sage, the operation in question, has been going on for a long time. I do not believe this is in any way related to what's going on right now politically. They're just training Green Berets special forces in how to deal with illegitimate governments. Again, a year ago, the same thing. And nobody was complaining or freaking out uh, back then. And they have these photographs of these men in training from 2019, which is what I found to be like the funniest thing ever. When that, when, when they post these articles and everyone sees it and thinks this is like, oh no, you know, Joe Biden's getting ready for civil war. I'm like, where do you think these photos came from? They've been doing this for a long time. now that being said, the training may actually prove to whether intentionally or not, benefit special forces in the event of an actual civil war. The bigger question is, which side do you think these people would be on? I don't know. I don't know what the sides are for the most part. There's left, right, there's narrative, there's anti-establishment, whatever you want to call it. But wouldn't the military be more likely to be, I don't know, pro-constitution, right-wing and not left-wing? Honestly, I don't know. but let me show you what happens when you, when you Google search the idea of a civil war. How is it that a training exercise that goes on every few months since the 1970s could turn into this big viral story about special forces preparing for civil war? It's because people genuinely believe and fear there is a possibility of a civil war. They, they fear that there is a, a civil war coming, that we're in one. In my personal opinion, we are in a cold civil war. We got swatted. Tim Castilel got swatted. We have been under cyber attack consistently now. The show got knocked off the air with Micro. We got We were placed under a DDoS. Now, nobody's hurt by that, but it, it is an attempt to knock our show off the air. It is an attack. It is, in a sense, a kind of vandalism, causing economic damage to, to us, to our operation, to the information we would provide. This is the information aspect of a cold civil war, or just a civil war, whatever you want to call it. Someone used what appears to be a global botnet to take down our gigabit line. That, to me, was shocking. To be hit with a DDoS that knocked out gigabit internet. I'm impressed. That's that, that, that's, that's, that ain't nothing, but it happened. And now we have to spend a ton of money and redouble our efforts because we already have fail-safes and security. We've got to spend even more to hire more physical security after the swatting. These are attacks on us. This is not just because people don't like me and they're trolling. This is overtly political. So something is happening. Take a look at this. Let me just roll through all these things. From the New York Times, are we really facing a second civil war? I believe it's Betridge's laws of headlines that if a headline asks a question, the answer is no. And then we have this. This is from the Boston Globe. Q&A with Barbara F. Walter, author of How Civil War Starts on the Prospect of Open Civil Conflict Breaking Out in the U.S. Here we have The Daily Advance, Elizabeth City, North Carolina. Are we nearing civil war? Our people versus my people? I love this one. The New New Yorker, a new civil war in America, followed by The New Yorker again is a civil war ahead. Then we have this from Independent Tribune. Civil war, our people versus my people. So this looks like the same article as the other one. NPR. Imagine another American Civil War, but this time in every state. Then we have the Chicago Tribune. Another Civil War? Sounds far fetched until it isn't. Wow. All of those articles asking the same questions. Why? Well, maybe they're trying to invoke January 6th. Maybe they're trying to freak you out. Man. A couple of years ago, last year, when I had said it felt like we were entering a civil war, that people had said that there is a cold civil war happening, people on the left mocked the idea. They said I was dumb. They said I was a sensationalist. Now, it is the establishment mainstream press saying, are we really heading for a civil war? Maybe it'll be a national divorce. I don't think so. I really don't. We had a fascinating conversation with Mike Rowe. Awesome guy. Seriously. Dirty jobs. You know him, right? He talks about personal responsibility, all that good stuff. Check out the segment at TimCast.com. It's just from, you know, the other day. Become a member. Check out the Mike Rowe episode. Now, we mostly talk about dirty jobs and the dirty jobs he did with animals. and But in the end, we get into the prospect of Civil War because he asks, what do you normally talk about? And I jokingly I'm like, Civil War. He made an interesting point, a really good point. And he said, I wished we talked about this on the main show. If there is a national divorce, as many people have discussed, Marjorie Taylor Greene, for instance, brought up the subject, and then everyone claimed that she was calling for it. In fact, on our show, she was like, no, that would be terrible. It's my kids who would lose their lives or risk their lives in this. Something interesting came up. You know, Luke Rutkowski, he's he's on IRL frequently, as basically a co-host over the past uh, several months, seasonally, because he leaves and goes to Florida. And he mentioned peaceful divorce. The country breaking apart. Michael Malice has as well. And many people have said, what if the red states and the blue states just leave each other? What do you think happens to our energy? What do you think happens to our nuclear weapons? Mike Rowe said, if there was a national divorce and the parents split amicably, who gets the kids? And by kids, I mean nuclear weapons or thermonuclear weapons. I love saying this, this factoid. Modern nuclear weapons, at least, at least the ones we know of, are 1,250 times more powerful than the bombs we dropped in World War II. Hiroshima and Nagasaki. One multiple independently targeting reentry vehicle, or MIRV, could drop 8 to 12 nuclear warheads after the ICBM launches into the stratosphere and then launches those warheads and they pepper... <sighs> To say the eastern seaboard could hit how many cities? So, in the event of a national divorce, do you think that Illinois and New York and California are going to be like, well, there's a lot of nuclear weapons in those states. We're going to leave them there. Or do you think they're going to say we want them? When there's strategic stockpile of nukes in key areas and one side is going to get more, do you think the other side just says, okay? Do you think factions that cannot agree will simply be like, well, we here in the red state are going to give you a bunch of our nukes. Oh, I don't know, man. Not to mention a lot of nukes are, are positioned globally. What happens to those? There is no peaceful divorce scenario. And maybe it doesn't happen. I hope it doesn't happen. The stupidest thing in the world are the people who are like, Tim wants it to happen. Simply because I'm telling you that everyone is talking about it. You know, it's fascinating. I've long been told that I, am a, I have the, the uh, um, unfortunate privilege of being ahead of the market. I was told that by a bunch of news organizations in the early 2010s because the work I was doing was well beyond what they could do. We're You know, doing this interactive and authentic style of news on the ground. They said, we can't even get to that point yet. You're ahead of the market. So nobody wants to pay for it because they can't do it yet, but you can. So good luck. Well, hey, it worked out, I guess. We're starting a news organization. And we're the future, uh, I don't know, eventually some young upstart will come up with an idea that supplants us. And that's just the way things go, right? Or maybe I'll just consistently be ahead of the market for whatever reason. I was the one saying early on I felt a civil war was coming. But I didn't come up with the idea. It was a Princeton professor who said cold civil war it was, I think, in the Atlantic. And I bring that up all the time. I didn't just make this up. I'm not a psychic. I'm just reading the news. We have this story from 2020 I'd like to bring up. It's very important. A bipartisan group secretly gathered to game out a contested Trump-Biden election. The important word in this is secede. They say, uh, Trump's not to do blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, Biden's team sought to encourage large Western states to secede unless pro-democracy reforms were made. That scenario seemed highly far-fetched, but it envisioned a situation in which both sides may have incentives to contest the election. In an article from the Washington Post, they say, for obvious reasons, we couldn't ask Trump or Biden or their campaign aides to play themselves in these exercises. On the GOP side, we had, you know, Republican National Committee individuals. On the Democratic side, participants included John Podesta, chair of Hillary Clinton's 2016 presidential campaign, and a top White House advisor to Bill Clinton and Barack Obama. Donna Brazile. Many other articles got into uh, greater detail, but they didn't always encompass the the bigger picture. I don't know if the Washington Post actually... Here we go. This is the important part. In the Trump win scenario, desperate Democrats stunned by yet another election won by the candidate with fewer votes after credible claims of foreign interference and voter suppression sought to send rival slates of electors to Congress. They even floated the idea of encouraging secessionist movements in California and the Pacific Northwest unless GOP congressional leaders agreed to a series of reforms. Including the, including the division of California to five smaller states to ensure better Senate representation of its vast population and statehood for D.C. and Puerto Rico. Maybe it's hyperbole. Maybe they never really would do this, but this is John Podesta and Donna Brazil saying they would encourage, or the Democrats would, a secessionist movement. Well, what ended up happening? Joe Biden wins. And now all of a sudden, those scenarios are out the window. I don't care if you are on the left or the right. I don't care if you think the Trump side was bad or whatever. What matters is the divide exists. That's it. Let me show you this story real quick. DOJ unveils new domestic terror unit as U.S. faces persistent and evolving threat a year after January 6th. In this tweet thread from Glenn Greenwald, he mentions for those celebrating the DOJ's new creation of domestic terror units and all the new resources that will accompany it, Here's the Department of Homeland Security's list of who they regard as violent domestic extremists, and it includes animal rights and environmental activists, abortion-related extremists, anti-government, anti-authority. It is not going to be good for anyone. The divide exists, and this is where it gets absolutely fascinating. From the Daily Beast, Maddow unearths five fake state documents declaring Trump victory in 2020 election How do you solve for this? Rachel Maddow. I think she's pure evil because, uh, well, I think she's evil. She's a very, very evil person. It's crazy. There are people on the left who think I'm evil. And they say Tim Pool lies or whatever. But in reality, these people believe the ends justify the means. They don't think I'm lying. They think it's just bad that I'm telling people the truth, so they'll call it a lie. And this is what people need to understand about the divide. I do not believe the ends justify the means because we never meet the ends. People on the left believe the ends do justify the means, even though you never meet the ends. You know what I mean by that is that our system is always evolving and changing. We're always growing and emerging within the system. If we tolerate fascism, authoritarianism, or fascistic ideologies, you will live in them forever. So I'd prefer to say liberty, right? People like Rachel Maddow... And her followers would view you or I, namely me, for doing the show, as evil because I'm informing people of of the truth. That allows them to empower themselves and defy the establishment. On the left, I'll, I'll give you a really good example of this. Vaccine mandates. Do they work? The logical and objective answer is no. At least from our perspective. Why? Well, the goal of the vaccines is to stop the spread, right? That's what they said. That's what Biden said. Well, it's not really doing that, is it? And they say, that, well, at least the vaccine reduces the severity of symptoms and the likelihood of hospitalization. Okay, well, that seems to be the case for now. In my opinion, a vaccine mandate would work if it stopped the spread of the virus. In New York, the virus is, uh, people are contracting COVID at record numbers. But the left still keeps saying the vaccines work. I'm sorry, the vaccine mandates work. Because what they're saying is the mandate works Because people get vaccinated. They don't care what happens next. The goal to people like Rachel Maddow and her followers of a vaccine mandate is to force you to comply with the authority, regardless of what that compliance gets you. Wow. To me, I thought the goal of the vaccine mandate was to stop the spread of COVID and to save lives. But if they're claiming that the vaccine mandates work, with record-high cases and high hospitalizations, then the only real goal of the mandate was to force you to comply with authority. That's why I think they're evil. Because I think you should be informed of the truth. You should know what these five fake state documents really are. Now, of course, it's not just Rachel Maddow. Here's Rolling Stone. Swing state Trumpers forged electoral letters in harebrained scheme to overturn Biden's win. I don't care if you're on the left or the right. I don't care if you agree or disagree. The most important point that I think everyone must recognize is that the story exists. If you're on the left, you think Trump's harebrained scheme tried to overturn Biden's win. If you're on the right, you recognize what this was. The same thing that happened in Hawaii, that the rival group of electors created, drafted their document, sent it in, and hoped that in the uh, event of a contested election, their, their choice would be read and certified. That's it. But on the left, the establishment just wants to treat you like a mushroom. Keep you in the dark and feed you crap. That's how they do it. To them, it's justified. Because it's for the greater good. It doesn't matter what the truth is. It matters that everyone does what must be done. The vaccine mandate ensures that you all get vaccinated. But we don't care what the vaccine does after the fact. It's just to force you to do it. Well, my, my worldview is based upon Solutions. If if we were trying to like build a house and everyone said, I don't care what the point is, everyone should just hammer nails. And I'd be like, well, I think you should hammer the nails if it's actually building the house. What do you think would work out? Which, 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 which path works out? A bunch of random people banging nails into random objects? Or me saying only hit the nail if it actually is going to contribute to the construction of the house? You get the point? Their authoritarianism leads nowhere. And they would criticize me? So my point is... We, it, it it there there is no amicable return. There is no unity. I will not agree to live in that insane, harebrained way, as they call it. It's another morning,
2: and you're all set for work. You grab your coffee, head out the door, and your car decides today's the day it won't start. Panic sets in. You're not just late; you're stranded. Get ahead of unexpected car repairs before they strike with Car Shield a free quote by visiting CarShield online at CarShield.com slash Carlson. Don't wait for the next surprise. Choose peace of mind with CarShield. Go to CarShield.com slash Carlson and save 20% today.
0: So here's the story, right? The, the the documents, the forged documents. Here's Rachel Maddow saying, look at these documents and they look really very, very similar. The amazing thing is that she, she does this thing where she goes, Take a look at these documents and see if you notice anything. Here's the document from Michigan, the real one, and the forgery, the fake forgery, she calls it, on the left. Notice anything about these documents? No. What are you talking about? She's trying to to assert that because they're all similar and use the same language, that proves, well, she doesn't actually say this, but is, is the implication then that there was a national level Trump scheme? The documents are just based off of two of the states. They, they're made to look like, let me see if I can get to uh to the states. We have two states that have these, these, these documents, and then five states created electoral documents that looked very similar to them. That's it. It was a template. It was like somebody went online and found a template for a, a document and then drafted it up. Was it a harebrained scheme? Yeah, maybe, I guess. Are they forgeries? No. The Republican electors were not c- uh, certified and duly elected but they still drafted their documents because they believed that after a legal challenge, it would be deemed that they were the true electors and thus they needed to to get this done before safe harbor provisions. I bring you back, my friends, to 1960. All right, this is the 1960 presidential election between Kennedy and Nixon. And we can go down and let me just search, search. Okay, I don't want to look at a picture of that guy. I just want to search for Hawaii. We search for Hawaii and we can see they write, In Hawaii, it appeared as though Nixon had won. It was actually called for him early Wednesday morning. Governor William Quinn certified the Republican electors, and they cast Hawaii's three electoral votes for Nixon. When the election was challenged in court, the Democratic electors cast three electoral votes for President-elect John F. Kennedy, but cast them later than the safe harbor deadline. Whoa, 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 whoa. So these forgeries from a Democratic harebrained scheme The certification for the Democratic votes was issued when a recount completed before Christmas resulted in Kennedy being declared the winner by 115 votes. Before there was even a recount, even though the Republicans were already certified, the Democrats cast electoral votes. Is that a forgery? No. It was because they were expecting the results of the court case to favor them, and it did. In fact, Nixon, who was the president of the Senate at the time, had the opportunity to reject them but chose not to, even though they came later than the safe harbor deadline. He didn't need to do that. So where are we today? Today we get the likes of Rachel Maddow in this just very, man, is it evil, mockery act. This is a woman who has lied relentlessly for years about everything, who nearly cried when it turned out Trump didn't collude with Russia. And she does this thing where she's like, take a look at these documents. Take a look at them. Do you notice something? I'm just like, wow, this is just evil. It's just evil. I want you to live your life and be free. I don't want to be your boss. I don't want to be in charge of you. And the people on the left, many of them think that's evil because you are too stupid to live your life. Because if you do live your life, you'll keep pooping in your own water like the chickens do. And truth be told, that's a scary reality, but it isn't wrong. People keep polluting and destroying, and they don't care. They don't believe it. I certainly think think that's a problem, but I'm not here to be your boss or be in charge of who tell you how to live your life. I'm just here to tell you what's going on, what I think, how I feel about things, my opinions, and the facts, and then you can decide for yourself how you should live. On the left, they don't do that. They say the government should mandate you get the vaccine, So you get the vaccine regardless of the outcome. That's insane to me. It's like telling people like everybody should go do. I I didn't make the analogy. You get the point. I think it's absolutely insane that the goal of the mandates is just to make you suffer, to force you to bend the knee to the machine because they want you to live the way they think you should live. Here's an example. Michael Bloomberg wants to tax sugary drinks because you're too stupid to not drink them. Well, you know what? People shouldn't drink sugary drinks. I stopped. But people have a right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I'm not—people—Bloomberg should not be your boss, your dad, telling you how to live, or your mom. But that's the world that these people want. And they will achieve it by lying to you. I disagree with that. I think it's wrong. So the reason I bring this up is that it feels like we are are headed towards a collision— where people who believe in freedom for the individual and people who believe in adherence to the authority are not going to get along. The left is overwhelmingly fascistic. It's a fact. When they say vaccine mandates work, how do they work? They force people to get vaccinated and the rates go up. And then you have record-breaking cases in New York? Sounds like your mandate didn't stop that. Well, they don't care about that. They don't. They just want you on your knees. Don't. I would rather die on my feet than live on my knees. And there are very serious challenges with a libertarian ideology. Little l, not big. What if we are destroying the planet? I think we are. I think population density is the main problem, but I do think that is a, it's a reality of overpopulation. People need to get away from cities, find some personal responsibility. We also have a problem in that humanity is, is becoming overwhelmingly weak. Morbidly obese individuals who are like, the world should change for me. MRI machine should be bigger. Yeah, that to me is nuts. We need personal responsibility. But there are people who just are soft as cookie dough, who don't want to do the work and don't want to take responsibility. They just want you to do as you're told and shut your mouth. I won't. So that that leads me to believe that the only logical outcome, civil war. Are you ever going to, uh, I'll put it this way, man. Joe Biden wants vaccine mandates nationwide for federal employees, and it's at the Supreme Court. Are you going to say, okay, inject me? Are you? Look, a lot of people did. A lot of people will. A lot of people won't. Some people have already said, over my dead body. For some people, it's not an issue of the vaccines. I don't care if you've got the vaccine or you don't want to get it. It's between you and your doctor. It's it's whatever. There's a ton of medications I've taken throughout my life. I don't even know what they do or what they are. I trust the doc, right? The issue, though, is if someone walks up to me and says, I am going to stick you with this, I say the same thing over my dead body. I won't allow it. So masks are one thing. But D.C., Philly, Chicago, L.A., New York, Cook County, not just Chicago, Cook County, the second largest county in the country, mandating you be injected, whether you want it or not. How many of you are going to be like, "Okay, that's fine by me. I guess I don't need to live in this country. Or are you going to be like, no, I have a right to public accommodation? How many of you are going to say no to those mandates? A lot of people. And that's what that's what makes me think you know we're headed in danger down a dangerous path that leads to conflict, because you, you the moment you go to one of these red states and try and start enforcing people to get vaccinated, ah it's going to get bad it's going to get ugly. I don't know how we navigate out of this unless Democrats stop. Maybe the solution right now is go vote. I mean it seriously go vote in your primaries, primary every any Democrat who is in favor of mandates, any Republican. Every single one, even in West Virginia, we had mask mandates last, you know, earlier this year. Get rid of all of them. Mansion out. Every single one of these incumbents, Republican or otherwise, vote them out. Kim Iverson, center-left individual said she's voting Republican straight ticket to end the mandates. I hear you. Maybe that's what we got to do. I don't know if Republicans will save you, but get in that primary. I'll leave it here. Next segment's coming up at 8 p.m. tonight at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out. And we'll see you all then. So the other day I wake up and what do I see? Hashtag bare shelves Biden is trending. And a bunch of people are posting photos of grocery stores not too far from where I live with empty store shelves. Now, some people said this is an exaggeration. We heard the excuse in the mainstream corporate press that it's not a supply chain issue. That's all wrong. It's just a high demand issue. And I started thinking, I I don't understand why demand for food just spiked all of a sudden right now. Is it just that it snowed? So everybody said, I'm going to eat at home and not go out to eat? Well, I don't know if that's true, because even though it snowed out where we live, people were still at restaurants. So I kind of don't believe their narrative on massive demand. Yeah, if there's a huge demand and people go out and they're buying everything like celery, Brussels sprouts, strawberries, potatoes, corn, just like literally all of it, to the point where the shelves are stripped clean, it doesn't seem like a high demand issue because they uh, th- these grocery stores they get produce and meats shipped in very regularly, so it would be to it, it, they would be implying. That everyone went out at the exact same time. That it wasn't just sustained demand over a, over a longer period, like a week or two weeks. That it was the demand instantly in one day. Well, as the Daily Mail says, it's like a Soviet store during 1981. Grocery stores across the U.S. have empty shelves as supply chain crisis and COVID combine to make basics like milk, bread, meat, canned soups, and cleaning products hard to find. Wow. Wow. We've been through this before, Uh, we went through this, well, we've been going through this consistently for the past couple of years. So I'll just stress this point, my friends. This is not even the biggest story. This is just a story from the other day about Joe Biden and his bare shelves. But take a look at this. Consumer prices rose by 7% in December over previous year, marking third straight month of high inflation. You're going to love the subhead. Lawmakers and officials are starting to question whether some companies are keeping prices unnecessarily high. I, 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 don't, even, I don't even know what to say at this point. The excuses, the excuses ex- after excuse after excuse. Oh, the real reason inflation is hitting is because meat producers just want to make a whole bunch of money. That's amazing. We heard that inflation was transitory. They said, oh, no, 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 it's just because all of a sudden there's big demand, but it'll go back down, which makes literally no sense. That never made sense. They're lying to you. And I'll give you one really simple explanation as to why. When the cost of beef goes up, the guy who works as a butcher needs to make more money to buy the beef. Okay, so now beef becomes more expensive. They have to pay their staff more money. The guy who makes 15 bucks an hour is now making 17 are, are the prices going to go down because that man says, hey, I don't need 17.50 anymore. You can reduce my wages back to 15 No, that's never going to happen. So employment costs, uh, wage costs are going to remain up. And because of that, the cost of beef and everything else is going to remain up as well. And then it becomes, if we don't get a handle on it, it starts to run away. Because what will happen is you got a guy who makes 15 bucks an hour or a, a person who makes 15 bucks an hour. And all of a sudden, the cost of goods—cereal, milk, bread, eggs, whatever—is going up. So this person says, "I need a raise." And they say, "Okay, fine, but that means we got to raise the cost of, you know, our our insurance policies to cover the cost of, you know, paying our staff who run this who run these uh, systems." Now the guy who works at the butcher shop says, "My insurance premiums are going up, and so I need a raise to cover it." Then the cost of beef goes up because they need to. Compensate their 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 staff members, and then the insurance guy goes, "Hey, the beef got more expensive again. I I can't do this job." And maybe that's why we're seeing so many people resign. We're seeing so many people leave the labor force because it's just becoming runaway. Now here's what I here's what I'll say to this. First, let me show you these photos of the supply chain. This is crazy. This is Washington D.C. No tomatoes. Wow, that one freaks me out. Potatoes and onions. What do we got here? Come on, wow. Then you got, this is a Trader Joe's, no bread, wow. Uh, here we have uh, Walmart in Anchorage, Alaska. Now, I don't know if it's fair to highlight Alaska. They already have a difficult issue with supply chain. Uh, they, they already have supply chain issues, being that every, everything's got to be shipped in, but there's no chicken. There's nothing on the shelves. What do we got here? We got empty medicine shelves in Long Island, New York. Okay, that's freaky. That's freaky. Because our vitamin C and our antibiotics and other medicines are made in China. So right now, I've just shown you all of these empty shells. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't really have any profound advice as to what you should do with your life or what you should be investing your money. I can't tell you that. What I can tell you, and I don't do this all that often, but I think it's it's, it's important to, to, to do now whenever we have stories like this. This is a sponsored, pot, a sponsored a sponsor spot for safeandreadymeals.com. Safe and ready meals, you get a four-week emergency food supply for a couple hundred bucks. These are buckets that lasts up to 25 years. They have up to 25 year shelf life. I'll make sure I'm very specific. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks. Two rugged buckets weighing 38 pounds. Free shipping and handling. The reason I'm shouting this out. And I only ever do this when we get big stories like this. Because I think it's genuinely important. I have a photo on my Instagram. We have a bunch of these things. Because sometimes it snows. I'll put it that way. When, when it snowed. We had a lot of people who couldn't get out here. We've got rural roads. And so I'm just like. You know we've got emergency first aid kit. I'm going to have some emergency food kits because you never know when you need to crack one open. And to be honest, we have. We've absolutely cracked them open. Not because the apocalypse happened or anything like that, but because we were like, hey, we're running low on certain foods. We don't want to go out in the storm. They just pop open one of these things. They last forever. The food's great. You mix it in. It's 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 simple stuff. It's like you you'll, you open it, and it's, it's dried and powdered. So like the macaroni and cheese is like regular macaroni and cheese. You get in the box, and you pour it in a pot and heat it up. I don't know if... Uh, 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 you need whatever, you know, uh, safeandreadymeals.com has to offer. What I can say is I think it's very, very smart to have. We have first aid kits. We don't, a lot of people don't even know where their first aid kit is. How often do you really use it? But the reason I like to bring this up is for one, when you buy this stuff, it does support our work, this show. We don't read these. I, I don't shout them out all that often. Maybe we should. But I do have my concerns that things are kind of falling apart. Whenever I get that feeling that the supply chains are breaking, that things are falling apart, I like to shout them out because you never know, man. I want you guys to be safe. I'm, I'm going to lay it out completely 100% on the table, honestly. I think you guys should be prepared for the worst. I don't think you need to fill a bunker with beans thinking the nu- a nuclear bomb's going to drop or anything, like a, a, a caricature of a prep or anything like that. But I think it would be wise if you had food, water, And depending on where you live, you know, guns and ammunition, things to keep you and your family safe. And so I just want to I want to shout them out. Secondly, it's a sponsored spot. It helps support all of the work we do. So it's a great opportunity to to offer you guys up something that I think is really important. You put it in your closet, you forget about it. Then then you can rest assured knowing if a flood hits, if a storm hits, if the roads get shut down. I mean, you could have, you know, you, you have in Texas that flood. And you got to be wondering if you're going to be able to get to the grocery store because of supply chain disruptions and because the roads are shut down, emergency crews. You never know, man. You never know. I think it's crazy that you actually have people, uh, city-type people, I guess. I don't want to necessarily say left or Democrats, but it does tend to be them mocking the idea of having some kind of emergency preparedness. It's crazy, right? Do you guys have a bug out bag, like a bag with with a change of clothes, maybe with like a raincoat, maybe with like a Leatherman, you know, a tool or flashlight. It's crazy to me that people mock the idea of being ready for a disaster, because I will tell you this, there there are people, people in cities are so complacent. And this is part of the reason why we end up seeing these things like empty store shelves and lies. What do they end up saying? Inflation is transitory. People believed that. People absolutely believed that inflation was transitory. Yo, man, you've got to be responsible for yourself. And let me put it this way: Let's say you have a bug out bag, and some some you know urban liberal type is making fun of you, being like, "Why do you have these tools, and supplies?" And then one day, a fire in your building. Hey, just like in New York. And what do you do? Do you have your supplies like next to your bed? You can grab your bag, run outside, and you know you're going to have a, cha- a, a a change of clothes. You're going to have, you know, toothbrush, toothpaste. You're going to have maybe a lighter, maybe some food, maybe some protein bars because you don't know what's going to go on, where you're going to be staying. It's crazy to me that people would not have any level of precaution for this stuff. And now we can see what's happening. So again, I'm going to stress this point too. I, I, I don't think this is the apocalypse just because you can't get tomatoes right now. I don't know what's going to happen. We've seen food shortages over the past couple of years, and they've waxed and waned. Some days they get really, really bad, and people go to the stores, and they're shocked. And then the next day you show up, and everything's kind of back to normal. In my local grocery store, they are running low a little bit, but I didn't see anything like this. So I, I want to I absolutely stress that point as we're looking at all of this, this, this stuff with inflation. Uh, well, first thing I'll say is, if you do want to get emergency supplies, buy it now before inflation drives the prices of everything up even more than it already has. Because I got to tell you, the prices have gone up on basically everything. But I, I I, don't know if the apocalypse is coming. I think the U.S. is in a state of decline. 80%, according to one poll, said that the, the country is in a state of decay. Just do what you think is right for yourselves. Uh, and, you know, if you go to safe and ready meals, you're helping support uh, the work we do as well as taking care of yourself. Take a look at this story from the Daily Mail. Shoppers across the U.S. are confronting alarming shortages of basic foodstuffs as a variety of factors exacerbate supply chain issues from coast to coast. Severe winter storms have disrupted shipping in parts of the country over the past week, and surging cases of Omicron are driving millions of absences absences from work, disrupting basic functions such as shipping, unloading, and stocking. So this could be temporary. I would lean towards overwhelmingly, I would say with 95% confidence, I think it's completely temporary. But I also want to add, they're apparently saying there's going to be another major winter storm sweeping across the U.S. So whether you get a food bucket or you go to the grocery store and get a can of beans and put it in your pantry, just be ready for inclement weather. That's an important point, especially considering how crazy everything's been. Everything, everything's been. The U.S., Reached a new record for a number of Americans hospitalized with COVID with more than 146,000 people currently admitted with the virus. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh, with the virus or from the virus? Yeah, that's right. Come on, don't give me that stuff. From D.C. to Anchorage, shoppers are finding uncomfortable shortages as a result of de- as a result and demanding to know when supply chain issues will ease. The misery has been compounded by inflation. Consumer prices rose by 6.8% in November from the year before, and now here we go, baby. Consumer prices rose by 7% in December over the previous year. You realize this is, this is compounding, right? That if they say it's rising 7% over last year, and then next year they'll say it rose 7%, that's 7% from the increase. So it's getting bigger and it's getting worse. Whatever you're going to do, do it now. Have you been holding off on buying that new computer you really need for work? Don't wait, man, because the prices are going to go up. I've told you this story uh, several times, that we were looking to get a tablet for, for, the, for the workspace, for the office. And so I was on Amazon, and I was like, oh, here's a good tablet, and I put it in the cart. I forgot to buy it. I forgot to click checkout for whatever reason. I got distracted. The next day, I opened Amazon, and it said, some items in your cart have changed. And it said the price has changed and it went up like 150 bucks. And I was like, whoa. Did you know fast growing trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, house plants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast growing trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com Using the code POOL at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. What happened? Should have bought it. Should have bought it because it's not like everything is just rapidly increasing like that. But eventually you're going to show up and you're going to be like, you know, I was going to go grocery shopping last week, but I'll go today. And then all of a sudden it's like 50 bucks more for the groceries. Man, I tell you, I remember before we moved out here to uh, the West Virginia area, we were in the Philly area. We would go shopping and we're in an urban center and we'd fill up our cart for like 350 bucks. We moved out here. I went grocery shopping and the cart was a third to half full and it was like 600 bucks no kidding and i was like something's wrong something's wrong there's no way we spent that much money and i asked the woman at the at the counter i was like have you noticed like prices going up she's like it's getting crazy and this was 4 months ago i talked about this over the summer now we got this consumer prices up 7% it just keeps going up why would it stop Joe Biden is not doing anything to solve the problem. They're printing more money. They're trying, to, they're trying to end the filibuster so they can just ram through with only 50 votes and a tiebreaker to start printing more money. It's just going to get worse. So look, I'm gonna, I'll stress this point, man. I don't know what you should do. You know, I shout out safe and ready meals because I do think it's important that people have an emergency food thing. Maybe just like, you know, two things of food you can put in your closet and forget about because you never know. It might rain someday and then you can't get outside and you'll have some backup food and you'll appreciate it. Last 25 years, right? But I I don't know. I I can't speak for you. I don't know your circumstances. Maybe you got kids. Maybe you need more. Maybe you need less. I'll tell you, man, get away from cities. The last place you want to be when there's a food crisis or a gas crisis is a city, man. That's in New York. During uh, It was uh, Hurricane Sandy, I think. And it was crazy to see the lines out of the gas stations for gas because the supply chain was disrupted. There were, there were cars lined up around the block. People were waiting hours to fill up their gas tanks. And then what do you do? You fill up your gas tank and you go park your car. You're like, you better not drive because I can't go through that again. And it was like this for weeks. Outside of the bodegas, little little corner stores in New York, I saw two guys with two... One guy like a baseball bat, a guy had a two-by-four, and they were only letting people in one at a time. And I thought to myself, you know, back then, uh, this is crazy. You know, this is what it's like in a city when things start to break down. Then when the bombs got planted in New York, then with all the crazy political violence, I was, I, I just thought to myself... You know, I got to get away from this city. I moved to the Jersey side, then I moved slightly south, then I moved to South Jersey, and now we're here. Why? You know what, man? The other day we had the CEO of Rumble on Timcast IRL, and he was telling me that, he's like, you're ahead of the market, man. Like the thing you're doing, the audience interaction with the live show and everything, is, is it's the future. And I'm like, I don't know about that. I've been doing that for a decade. And he's like, yeah, you're really ahead of the market. Let me tell you this. I saw what was going on in New York a few years ago and said, I don't want to sit around and find out. I thought things were going to escalate and things were going to get bad. Politics, everything is breaking down. And you know what? I was right. I certainly didn't predict a pandemic or anything like that. I just saw how things were kind of breaking down. Someone planted bombs in Manhattan. It's not an exaggeration. Look it up. Several years ago, I think it was on like 25th Street. And when that happened, I was just like, yo, it's getting crazy here. And plus, I'd already experienced, you know, the the, the insanity. I have been in cities during civil unrest, and I said, yeah, I'm going to leave. Now think about what's going on in New York. Certainly, I didn't predict a pandemic, but the vaccine mandates, I am sure glad that I left when I did, maybe a little too early. Maybe the reality is I am just ahead of the curve. I have no idea. But I take a look at all this stuff, and maybe it's this, my willingness to just take those precautions. It's that simple. You know, I bought a, 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 a bunch of emergency food. I've been, I pay attention to the news all day, every day. Maybe it's not that I'm ahead of anybody. It's just that I'm reading what's going on, and a lot of people aren't. I don't blame the average person for not being able to read the news all day, every day. I get it. People have jobs. My job just happens to be reading the news all day, every day. And then I see this stuff, and I think to myself, it'd be pretty smart to have an emergency plan. So right now, even, even this, this is uh, an important thing. We started building our new facility in West Virginia, because our current production is is done on the Mar- just on the Maryland border and it's very likely that Maryland is going Im- to implement crazy mandates we've right next to us is Frederick County and they've already implemented a hard mask mandate again like it's completely absurd it's entirely possible they'll implement a vaccine mandate i think they will maryland is a blue state so i live in west virginia but we do production here and i said okay well we got to relocate our uh, main headquarters to West Virginia. And there's still no guarantee West Virginia is going to be a safe place. But it seems that, you know, I'll put it this way. There's probably a lot of things that I've been overly precautious about that never mattered, right? Because you don't count the losses. So if I said, hey, I'm going to buy a, you know, I'm going to buy X item from the grocery store because I might need it. And then I end up not needing it. No one talks about that. No one ever says, ha you bought that, you know, frozen beef and then never needed it. Well, I guess in the instance of food, you just eat it. But when it comes to the big important stuff, I think we at Timcast and the work and what I've done has been very beneficial. If we were still based out of New York or the New York area, you know, if I never decided to leave and said, we'll just see how it goes, we'd be stuck. We'd, we'd have entrenched ourselves in our business in an area where we have vax mandates. And I don't know what we'd do. And then if we stayed in the Philly area, Philadelphia has vaccine mandates. We were in the suburbs in the Jersey side. And I thought to myself, I'm going to get out of here before it gets worse. And we were right. We wouldn't even be able to cross the river right now because the vaccine mandates. That's insane. So here, here I am looking at inflation is getting worse. And I'll tell you what, man. Um, I'll tell you what I've done. Cryptocurrency, gold and silver, not a crazy amount, but, you know, I, I absolutely... Um, gold and silver, trying to get out of the U.S. dollar. Electronics are big because we import so much of it because of the chips. So I'm just thinking, the last thing you want to do is be sitting on U.S. dollars as we're watching this. There was an article where they said the smartest thing you can do take a cue from Venezuela or whatever. It was like spend the earnings, no, Argentina, spend the money as soon as you get it. Jeez, that's scary. No savings. Okay. Well, I don't know what you should do. I'm not going to tell you what you should do. Maybe you want some emergency emergency food. Maybe you don't. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm personally going to spend the money as soon as I get it. So, you know, when we get, what I try to do is, obviously we can't do that for everything, the business. We can't just spend money. But uh, what I try to do is buy things that we need as soon as we can. So if we're looking at expanding shows and we need microphones, computers, and all that stuff, I'm like, buy them now. worry about it later. Because the price of those machines is going to be skyrocketing. Look at this. 7%. It's the highest since the 80s. And the 80s, I'm pretty sure, didn't we have like an inflation crisis and like a gas shortage and other crazy stuff? It may be that things get better. It may be that this is the worst of it. The pandemic is, is on the way out with Omicron and all that stuff. Okay, for sure. I don't know. I can't tell you what to do. And I I, I don't want to be in charge of anybody I don't even want to be a leader for anybody. I, I don't want to be like, here's what you, know, you need to do and here's what I want you to do. I don't know, man. I want you to be personally responsible and well-informed so you can make a decision. And then when something bad happens, I can be like, hey, man, that's on you. Not me. Don't look at me. I didn't give you advice. I just tell you what I do. Maybe it works. Maybe you decide to follow that advice. But I, I, I just, watching what's been going on over the past few years, I'm hoping that everything calms down. But as you've heard me say before, why would it? Why would it calm down now? No serious question. With the the escalation of street violence, the hatred among the political factions, I highlighted this in a, a, on a segment on my main channel YouTube.com/slash/TimCast that the the uh, independent voters are aligning themselves in greater numbers over the past few years. The Democratic Party is shrinking, the Republican Party is growing, but m- ultimately, independent voters are shrinking. People are aligning themselves between left or right. And they're getting angrier and angrier. I mean, we got we got hit with a DDoS attack, knocking out our show. We got swatted, and what do we do? They call us conservative, or whatever, and it's like we're barely barely that, so we're like centrists. But they come after us anyway. So when I see that stuff, when I experience that stuff, I'm sorry. Maybe I'm biased because I'm in the thick of things. But it sounds to me like if I was going, if I was going to flip a coin. You know, actually, that's a better. If I was going to place chips on the roulette table, and you've got you know red and black, and red as things calm down, and black as things get worse, I'm going to be betting on things getting worse. I know maybe it's pessimistic. I don't think so. I think it's realistic. It w- worse doesn't mean. Let me rephrase that. Escalate. Things are going to escalate because I don't necessarily think it's worse. As the, these systems break down, you know, freedom emerges. The risk to your safety. uh, Increases, Uh, but you get you move out to the middle of nowhere, you get more freedom. So we've benefited in in certain ways that we're becoming more independent. We're having our own space. We're being we're we're satisfied with our chicken coop and our, our local farms and the fresh meat we can get. And I think life's never been better. Some people have it have it really really hard. But maybe the issue is if you're in a city experiencing food shortages and r- mass inflation, the issue is you need to get away from those cities because I got to tell you out here we got farm fresh meat. You, you seriously, I can ride my bike about a half an hour or just take the car a few minutes and there's a farm and they sell farm fresh tenderloins, mm, so good. Fresh milk, eggs, getting out of these cities and this awful uh, supply chain trash, getting away from people to a great to a great degree, but not completely. Has been, has been great. And we have more space. The dogs can run around. I'm like, man, it is better out here. Now I get a lot of people on the, on the right being like, don't tell the city people to come to the countryside or whatever. And it's like, eh, well, you know, that I understand. But I'll, I'll just say, there are going to be people who sit back and ignore this. You know, I think about uh, Nazi Germany. And I'm not trying to compare anything happening to Nazi Germany. You know, I just think about, there were many, uh, many people, who very early on said things are getting bad in this country and it's time to leave. And they did. And there were many people who said, well, it can't happen here. It won't get that bad. And they stayed. Certainly the people who stayed came to regret it. That's scary, right? Now, I don't know if anything like that's going to happen in the U.S. China's got their quarantine camps. Australia's got their internment camps. And a lot of people probably thought Australia wasn't going to get that, would, would never get to that point. Now the police come to your house and they arrest you without charge or trial and bring you to a camp. No, no fooling. Now they're going to come out and say, "Oh, it's not that bad. It's not like it's a you know you're being beaten." And, and I don't care how bad you think the camp is. They're taking people from their homes to camps. So spare me whatever whatever justification you want to have for that. For me, I'm like oh, I'm going to get away from cities before anything like that happens here, and I'm going to buy a bunch of guns and emergency food. And you know what? Let the people mock it. Let the left and the city people mock the idea. I don't care what cult members think about me. And to be honest, I don't care what most people think about me. You know what I care about? That when the snowstorm hits and the roads are shut down, I've got food to eat. That when we get 30 to 50 feral hogs raiding our property, I've got a weapon to protect myself, my friends, and my family. Now, we don't really have a feral hog problem out here. But, uh, you know, when those deer are ravenous and they're coming right for you, the deer are everywhere, actually. The deer are, like, like everywhere. I look out my window every day, and there's some deer doing some deer business. And we got turkeys, too. And you never know if you're outside, and those turkeys, they come right for I'm kidding. I'm not really worried about that, but we do have bears. So I don't know. You know, the best thing to do, I'm told, is just get in the house and, you know, protect yourself. But we had, we were swatted, you know. We've got people coming after us. I don't care what people in the cult think. They try to, sh- they, they, they they make fun of me like, oh, Tim is selling emergency food. And I'm like, yes, I am. Yeah. And then when the supply chain gets disrupted and you're eating stale bread, you're going to be like, I wish I bought some to the people in the city. You know, if if you're out in the country, I mean, you still got uh, local farms and and production and we've got chickens. We get a ton of eggs all day, every day, just endless eggs. Even in winter, I was surprised about that. I didn't think these chickens are going to be laying eggs in winter, but I'll tell you this. I don't care what people think. I really don't. If I did, I'd probably change my appearance, get my teeth fixed, take the beanie off. Uh, and start pandering to the left or whatever. I don't care, man. There have been instances where people on the right come at me, people on the left come at me. I'm just going to do my thing, and in the end, I'm content laying in the grass, looking up at the sky, and just knowing that we've all got full bellies, a, a water to drink, arms to protect ourselves, and that we're gonna we're gonna get by. We're gonna make it. We're gonna make it through all of this, no matter how bad it gets. I think we'll be okay. But if you're somebody who lives in a concrete cubicle in a city smelling of sour milk, and you're just like, I'm going to sit back and the government's got my back. Good luck. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. We have a very serious problem with obesity in this country. One of the leading comorbidities in COVID deaths is obesity. It's according to the CDC. And we know that hospitalizations, a third of those hospitalized, are obese. Now, apparently, if you tell someone that, they call it fat shaming. We have this tweet from Glenn Greenwald where he says it's evidently bigoted fat shaving, fat shaming for the CDC to tell Americans that obesity in children is a major risk factor for having bad outcomes from covid. Why would a health agency possibly try to encourage people to avoid obesity? Yo, I think American society and culture is in decay. And that is an understatement. This woman on Twitter, Melissa Cancel Student Debt Burn, says, "Is fat shaming the new CDC government policy?" Oh man, I'm going to try and hold my tongue on this one. The last week of CDC gov tweets have been awful. It is so bad. It is so bad in in American culture. I tell you this that you can't even tell people not to be fat. The Daily Mail, Mary Lambert tells of triggering experience while trying to get an MRI as a fat patient. I have some advice for, for all of you. Lose weight. That's it. Exercise. Eat better. Cut out the sugars. You know what? I don't like to give advice to most people, but I tell you this. Maybe you should start eating right and, and exercising. But I will, I will stop and say, talk to the experts, man. You know, if anything, I can tell you, if you've got a weight problem, if you're not exercising... You should exercise, you should build muscle, and you should talk to a trusted nutritionist or medical expert and say, I want to get in shape. Get yourselves a personal, tra- get a personal trainer, because I don't know exactly what you need. We're all different, but I will tell you this. I, was, uh, uh, I weighed a little bit more, that's one way to put it, a few months ago, and I never really cared. Right? I didn't. I skated all the time, but uh, you know, I had some chub going on, and um, just one day... Seriously, just happened one day. I was eating salami and what was I eating? It and and cheese, I think, in the green room at the studio. And I was like, "This is really good." You know what? Why bother eating sugar anymore? And so I decided to stop doing it. It wasn't because I thought I needed to lose weight. It wasn't because I wanted to get in shape or anything like that. I was just like, "I should probably start eating a little bit better, eating um, meats and proteins, and getting more of my calories from fat." And I ended up losing quite a bit of weight in the past couple of months, and still losing it, mostly because I just cut out. You know, I didn't, I didn't even realize that I wasn't eating that much. At least that's what I thought. I'd have a, a snack here and there, maybe maybe a cookie or something and be like, what's the big deal? You know, it's a snack between meals. And then I just one day was just like, I don't want to eat this stuff anymore. It just, you know, it, it makes me feel bad. It makes me feel gross. You get, you know, the food tastes good or the snack tastes good. But ultimately, I was like, I'd rather not. I wasn't, I didn't have any goals or any, any weight loss. I, I didn't have any weight loss goals or anything like that. But that's kind of the point. I want to read you the story and show you the the, the, the difference in uh, kind of my mentality and this woman's mentality and the similarities as well, because I'll put it this way. When, you know, I was like 20 pounds heavier a few months ago. No joke. It was like 20 pounds. Crazy, right? And uh, And I didn't care. I literally didn't care, but that's so bad for you. And I was just like, well, I'm getting by. I'm living my life. I was still skating. You can see me skating. And I was fine with it. And then I decided one day, like, maybe I should be paying attention to this stuff. Maybe I should be eating better and not eating this crap and and, and being thin. But I'll tell you, the one thing I never was, was somebody who couldn't fit into an MRI machine and then complained about it and said it was a triggering experience. As if the world should be made for you. And therein lies the point of this segment. And what really grinds my gears, as it were, This is what I can't stand about the collectivist left or whatever. Look, man, I'm a center left individual when it comes to economic policy and social policy. But the the unwillingness of the modern left to accept any responsibility for their own lives is mind numbing. I'll be the first to be like, I think people should be allowed to love who they want to love. I think you know people should be allowed to ingest or alter their bodies how they see fit. I believe that so long as there's not victimizing anybody else, they should be able to live up to their true potential and do what they want. And that includes gorging on Pop-Tarts and whipped cream and eating whatever you want to eat. If you want to be a big fat tub of lard, I don't care. I really don't. But don't expect me to pay for your medical bills or Pay for bigger MRI machines because you can't put down a pint of, pen, a pint of Ben and Jerry's. All right? I, I I thoroughly enjoy eating cookies and candies. And I said, meh, I'd rather not. And that was it. There was no struggle. I didn't have... I, I started doing keto several months ago. I didn't have, like, keto headaches or anything like that. I literally just said, I don't I don't want to eat this anymore. And that's it. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Maybe, um it's easier for me than some of these people but this is the this is a big divide in the 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 culture war the cultural crisis we're facing let me read you this story and then this this very much pertains to covid and what's going on with the pandemic people who say you should have to change your life for me is that really it what divides us people like me saying I'm going to change my life for the better versus those saying everyone else should change to accommodate me. Because I tell you this, there's a difference between being tolerant and being a a a walking mat to get walked all over by these these lazy people. Look, I'm sure a lot of you watching are obese. I'm sure a lot of the people who watch Timcast IRL are overweight. So long as you're not demanding that our hospitals change everything for you, I got no issue. Gorge yourselves to your heart's content. You know the risks. You know everything about it. Your choice. If I want to go into the woods and there's bears, that's my choice. If I want to eat a bucket full of Pop-Tarts and gain a bunch of weight, that's my choice. Just don't complain and try and take away others' rights because you won't be responsible for yourself. And I I think most of us agree on that. Here we go. Mary injured her knee on December 26 in a skiing accident. And a few days later went to Reyes Radiology in Massachusetts for an emergency MRI. I would like to point out, if you are an obese individual and you are skiing, you are more likely to injure your ankles and knees. And then you're going to go into our hospitals and be like, MRI machines aren't big enough. You kidding me? How about you try stopping the sugar? I can't tell you exactly what you need to eat or not eat. To, to find the, the, the proper ideal body weight or whatever. But I, I'll tell you this, man. This is m- obesity, okay? I don't know if this woman's morbidly obese. She might be. But w- seriously, we need to stop with the, this is healthy. You see those Cosmo magazine covers? I think it was Cosmo. Where it's the morbidly obese women, we call it morbid obesity because you die. Fat shame. That's what they call it, fat shaming. Howard Stern fat-shamed Oprah. I called her huge. Hey, I'm not a fan of fat shaming. I'm not here to rag on her for being overweight. No, absolutely not. I'm here to say this. Ma'am, if you want to be a big woman, by all means, you live your life the way you want to do it. If you want to eat a whole bag of king-size, family-size Cheetos and get a box of snow caps at the movie and down it all by yourself, that's great. And I'm not saying that it's a bad thing. I'm like, dude, do it too. This is America, man. Eat, eat a king-size Reese's pieces, or uh, 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 Reese's peanut butter cups, down a couple extra ice cream Snickers bars, drink your gallon of Coca-Cola. I don't care. But when you then demand I have to change my life because of, because of you, no, I'm a personal responsibility shaming or lack of responsibility shaming. I don't care about your weight. She tweeted, just tried to get an MRI at Ray, U, uh, uh, Ray U.S. radiology and was shocked at how unprepared they were for a fat patient. I changed into the biggest scrubs at 2X and had half of my butt exposed, only to have the MRI coil not fit around my knee. I was asked my weight three separate times, she posted on social media. She added, The tech was straight sized and assured me that the coil is tight on everyone, even me, which was intended to be kind, but it made me more furious, thinking about why there wouldn't be a system in place so this doesn't happen. Are you kidding? Her thread continued as she offered suggestions to Reyes Radiology, including larger scrubs and asking patients beforehand for their pants size. I was crying so hard in the dressing area. I lose my mind over this. You were crying because you can't fit into normal size, uh, I'm sorry, average size clothing, and you're complaining about them? You know what, man, it's funny that we've come to a point where morbidly obese people demand that an MRI machine, a multi-million-dollar device be changed so that they can fit in it because they want to eat Ben and Jerry's every night. The world is not made for you. The world does not revolve around you. Well, if I want to get into fat shaming, I can suppose some of you might be confused considering your size. OK, that was mean. I'm, I'm mostly perturbed by those who demand we do everything for them. We can't. The world doesn't belong to you, you narcissists. I was crying so hard in the dressing area that I had a panic attack. And it's an experience that fat people are often used to feel shame about. People wonder why fat folks wait to and don't seek medical treatment for themselves. And it's experiences like this that reinforce the idea that there is something wrong or abnormal with our bodies. Fat people have existed since forever. She concluded while asking the radiology office to reach out to learn more about her experience and how they can be more inclusive. You want to know what my response is? And I, I, I hate to be mean or, or mock people. Again, I want to stress, I got no issue with people who are obese. I have no issue with Mary Lambert for being overweight. And in fact, if she chooses to live that life, I think it's fantastic that she's choosing to live the way she wants to live. But when you then say that your lack of responsibility should impact everyone else, this is where I draw the line. All right, I don't think it's fair. There was a, a video I was watching of a guy who's seven feet tall, and he's like, look at me, I got a duck to enter doors and stuff. If he came out and said doors should be taller, I'd be like, bro, there's not that many tall people. But at the very least, I can recognize you didn't choose to be tall. It's just the way you are. Well, people do choose to be fat. You can't be fat unless you eat too much. That's just reality. Now, of course, there's thyroid issues and medical issues. I totally understand that. But let's be real. 100, 200 years ago, we did not have these issues. We are a grossly irresponsible culture. We're now at the point where these people think it's fascism to be like, you should be responsible for your health and safety. I live out in the middle of nowhere for the most part. We have large buck frolicking through my backyard. One day I went out to feed the chickens. I walk out of the coop and there, maybe like 10 feet in front of me, was a buck, not too big, a deer. And I was like, man, that, that dude could screw me up right now. Maybe I should be out with some kind of defense or protection, but I'm not worried about the deer. He just, he just looked at me and was eating leaves or grass or something. And then I actually tried giving him food, but he runs away. They're scared of you. But you can get messed up, you know. These are big animals. And we also had a bear come by. It's my choice to assume these risks. Could you imagine if I made a video where I was like, a bear came to my house in the in the Blue Ridge Mountains, and I'm so offended and angry that they won't stop the bears. It's like, bro, you live in the mountains. You chose to be there. Nobody's mad at you for choosing to be there, but don't complain that we should deal with the bear problem. Now, if you're in a city... And a bunch of bears start showing up. It's not normal. That I get. You don't move to a city expecting to deal with bears. But this is what we have. This is the millennial generation. I mean, and it's just getting worse. Quote, nobody likes to be in clothes that are tight and uncomfortable. It's a triggering experience. Just being in that position of constriction. Mary left the facility crying, but later returned with different equipment. I tell you this, man. I, I, there, here we go. The number one cause of severe COVID, say, experts. It's another reason to get vaccinated. As we enter year three of the COVID pandemic, are you kidding me? New cases spurred by Delta and Omicron, blah, blah, blah. And the number one cause of severe COVID is simply age. They say the number one cause of severe COVID at any age, obesity. Defined as a body mass index over 30 increases your risk of severe illness, hospitalization, or death from COVID. I want you all to live your best lives. And to pursue happiness as you see fit. That means you want to enjoy a new flavor of Ben & Jerry's every night. I'm not here to criticize you over that at all. I love Ben & Jerry's. If you don't care that it makes you fat, I, I respect that. I respect the confidence. My personal preference would be to encourage all of you to do right by yourselves and lose some weight. I've been losing weight. I feel better than ever. It really, it really is crazy because you know, for most of my life, when I was a teenager, I actually, when I was a um, young teenager, I was thin. Then I gained a bunch of weight fra- uh, when I was fourteen, and I was very unhappy. And then I started, I, I, I lost it all. Well, so, so this is um, around where I started picking up skateboarding more, uh, uh, more consistently, and then I dropped all this weight off, and I got very, very thin. And then probably towards like my later 20s, I started, you know, gaining a little bit of weight, and I fluctuated quite a bit. And uh, it just happens. You know, some some seasons I gain weight. I'm not going outside enough. I'm not getting enough vitamin D. I'll tell you this. One thing I did too, and I I wonder if this plays a big role, is vitamin D. Because typically I gain that winter weight. That was something that always happened. In the summer, I'd lose weight. In the winter, I'd gain weight. And then what I started doing because the shorter days and because I didn't go outside as much, vitamin D in winter plays a big role. My understanding in, in, as to why people get sick in the winter, why they get colds. And they think it's because you're cold. So I started taking vitamin D, which I never did. And I felt better than ever. I wonder if that's actually helped contribute to the weight loss outside of the fact that I just started doing, you know, I call it keto and it, and it kind of is. It's not strict though. I'm not doing keto strips or anything like that. I've been adding, uh, I've been getting most of my calories from fat. Very, very few carbs and uh, um, meats and veggies. And I just kind of felt like I want to be the best person I can be. You know, I'm doing this show. I'm, I'm, we've got COVID. We know obesity plays a role. And I thought to myself, who am I to be talking about the way people should live, to be advocating for responsibility or any of this stuff if I'm not going to be eating better? Certainly, I can say like, oh, you know, I, I run the successful company. I'm certainly doing something right. And I can say like, well, I do exercise fairly often, but I was eating fairly poorly. And the craziest thing to me is I didn't even think it was. You know, I always, I'm always conscious of the food that I was eating. And I'd be like, okay, for, for dinner, we're going to order this, that, or otherwise. And then I think Americans have a problem with portions for sure. And I think one of the things that drives obesity in this country is that we don't realize how massive everything is. Seriously, go to Europe. In Europe, I'm like I will have this, you know, this meal and that meal, and you get like, I kid you not, I order, I ordered like steak, uh, steak fries or whatever, steak and fries in France, and the steak was like six ounces, and the fries there was literally like twelve French fries, like literally just twelve, and I was like, wow, Americans don't even realize how massive their portions have gotten. So now, I'm paying much more attention to that, and I, and it's interesting too, COVID. Uh, uh, inadvertently helped kind of reset things for me too. So I'd been doing keto for a few months before I got COVID. And that probably helped me out quite a bit because I'd i already lost, you know, like 15 or so pounds just from eating better. And I And I do skate every day, even when I was eating, you know, rather poorly, but I didn't realize how bad I was eating. And then... I couldn't eat for 3 days and it's bad. I'm not saying that's a good thing in any way. No, no, it was really bad. But after this, all of a sudden I was like I had to slowly restart eating. I had uh you know, I had I had not eaten seriously anything for 3 days. It was, it was miserable. And so when I started getting my strength back after I got the treatment from the doctor and all that stuff, I started eating again and I was like, "Wow, I had like half the steak and half the veggies and I was full." And I was like, "Okay, and I felt great. I felt better." And so I've been thinking, man, one of the problems is that People don't understand how big portions are. They don't understand how many calories they're actually getting. So that's what I'm saying, man. For me, it was kind of, I'm never going to complain about my circumstances. I wasn't upset. You know, uh, people were like, you know, look, look, you know, looking looking a little thick. You know, I was on Fox News and I was looking fatter and everything. And I was just like, I don't care. care." Like, I I do what I want to do. And then I thought to myself, like, I'll, I'll reiterate that point. Like, who am I? To even talk about how we should have policy. To even say, like, we shouldn't mandate this, that, or otherwise, that the government should do this, when I can't even be responsible for eating properly. And so then I was like, I should not, you know, weigh this much. I should not be eating this stuff. It's irresponsible. And I decided to take more responsibility for, for for myself and my actions. I hope that, uh, you know, the, the, the one thing I can always do, and I think you can do, uh, too, is to be the best possible version of yourself. And that is what we should strive for. And that means we don't want to force other people to live certain ways. We don't want to adhere to strict authority systems. We don't need a centralized Mike Bloomberg saying, you can't have your extra large Coca-Cola, we're going to tax it. That's what they did. None of that. No, we should just prove that we can be the best versions of ourselves. So I always tell people, you know, one thing that can help you out. The first thing I would say, in my experience, is make sure you're eating better. But I don't know what diet is right for you because some people are, diff- you know, you, you, could be, you could be six feet tall, you could be three feet tall, I have no idea. And so I can't tell you what you should, or you should eat. I can just tell you what they say like, you know, general nutrition sites and things like that. But try to eat better. Figure out what eating better means and have some willpower. Not everybody does, but you have to have that. If there's one thing you can do to change your life and change the world is to demand of yourself... So that's the thing. Willpower. You know, some friends of mine are alcoholics. And they won't. They, they follow all the rules. They won't drink. They won't go to casinos. They won't do any of that stuff. Because what happens is, if you're an alcoholic and you know you drink too much, and you think to yourself, if I just have one drink, it's no big deal. It's just one drink. I'm not going to get trapped in that habit again. That opens the door. And so what they say is they say, no, not one, not at all. Because if you set that hard boundary you cannot cross, it works. Then you don't go off the deep end. So for me, I think what really helped is me saying, I don't want to be eating sugar anymore. And so then all of a sudden, it comes to snacking. It comes to people putting out chips and salsa or whatever. And I'd be like, sugar, I don't want it. And then here's what I think about a lot of these diets too with like a veganism and keto diets, I think the real reason they help people lose weight is not because there's a secret to weight loss. I don't think that keto is some magic bullet that's like gonna help you lose weight. I think what happens is these diets are all restrictive. If you're vegan, for instance, you go to, you go to your friend's house and they're eating, you know, um, sausages or something, you're not gonna eat it. Less calories for the day. You're on keto. Your friends pull out a cheesecake. You're not gonna eat it. It has nothing to do, in my opinion, with how much sugar or how much meat you're eating. It has to do with the fact that you're eating less. And that's what I've realized. Since saying, I don't want to eat sugar anymore, all the snacks are off limits. All this, and we have keto snacks, by the way. So maybe there is still something to that. We have cookies that have like no sugar in them and stuff. It's like almond flour and protein powder-based snacks. And so when you just stop snacking, when you just stop drinking soda, all of a sudden, you're consuming less, you're feeling better, and that's a choice you're going to have to make. I tell you this, man, the, 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 most, the greatest sense of accomplishment for me is like willpower. It's proving to myself I can be better than I was yesterday. And that's the thing about skateboarding that I've always had. You drop it on that half pipe, and you're looking, and you're scared, and you're like, there's a risk. But do I have the willpower to actually say, I'm going to hit that blunt on the six-foot mini ramp, even though I'm terrified of it. I'm going to fight through that and decide for myself, I will make this happen. That's what it's all about. What I see with these other people is the inversion of that, a complete lack of willpower. They have such little willpower, they cry because of their life choices and then demand you assert willpower to benefit them. It's not about being fat. You know, this, this whole segment, everything I'm, I'm thinking about this has to do with the fact that we have become an American culture based upon no one taking responsibility for their own lives. And it's everybody. Everybody. Our healthcare system is strained, not just because of COVID. It's been strained because people are unhealthy. It's crazy, man. I don't think the solution is like mandatory morning calisthenics or anything like that. But, you know, we would be all much better off if we chose to do the right things for ourselves. So I tell you, you know, I was talking to Joe uh, Rogan when, when, when the COVID stuff hit. And after I was all better, I like, you know, followed up and I'm like, man, I'm feeling so much better after this treatment stuff. And he was just saying, bro, you've got to exercise. You've got to take vitamins. And I'm like, I'm doing it. I started taking vitamin D and magnesium and vitamin C, B vitamins. And like, we're tracking this stuff. And he was like, yeah, but take it more seriously than you even are. Because I got to be honest, even I don't lift. And that's one thing he said, resistance training. It, 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 it keeps you younger, longer. Your body needs it. And it's, it's, it's amazing. So I'll, I'll tell you this. Success. Maybe it's not in being fit and eating right and taking vitamins, but you got to admit there's something interesting about successful people, a lot of them. You'll see the trope of the guy, this powerful CEO running on the treadmill. I'll tell you, Joe Rogan exercises all the time. He posts the Instagram videos, biggest podcast in the world, eats right, eats lean meats. You can take a look at, uh, at me, not always doing the right thing, but I, I have been skateboarding, almost, uh, skate, skateboarding and rollerblading almost every day over the past year, consistently exercising as a part of my daily routine. I do my morning show. I exercise. We do TimCast IRL. I think exercise is a key component of having like, I don't know, of helping you succeed, whatever it may be. And if you want to start changing your life, if you want to figure out how to make things better, I recommend it. But figure out what makes sense for you, you know, you, you, because everybody's different. Anyway, you get the point, man. I think one of the key components of this this COVID uh, pandemic is that people are just not responsible for themselves. And I think y'all understand that. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash TimCast. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. 18 plus.